Hi everyone and welcome to the Something With Tea podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Steph, and I'm with the fabulous Charlotte. Hi Steph, thank you for the lovely introduction. Yes, welcome to episode 11, part 2. Today we're going to be continuing, continuing our discussion about why being a makeup artist wasn't the best career choice for us. And hopefully it will give you some insights into the career and the profession, if that's something you're interested in. Or just in general, you can start questioning your own choices of uh, of uh, profession and uh, what it is or isn't doing for you in that respect. But Steph, how, how have you been doing? I haven't spoken to you for ages. I know. I've been very, very busy, which is why you haven't spoken to me for ages. And I apologise to you and to all our viewers for delaying the content creation process that's okay <laughs> it happens life happens and busyness happens has the business been productive so so oh yes <laughs> it's just been a good couple of weeks of just a maelstrom of awfulness <laughs> wow but it's, it seems to be ebbing now so that's good uh, animal crises my horse isn't very well although i just got a call from the vet and apparently she's doing okay now but i i thought we were going to completely lose her and that was horrid so emergency trip to the vet, which if you have a horse is not easy. Yes, usually vets come to you if you have a problem with the horse. And your mum is a vet. so She's a veterinary nurse and she's only small animals. So we got the vet out, but she needs to go into the horse hospital. That sounds expensive. She's our baby, so, <laughs> you know, I think you get an animal to give it the best of everything you possibly can. So that's what we're going to do. She seems to be doing a lot better now, which Great. is amazing considering the other day she literally looked like a cruelty case i've never seen a horse so skinny but she lost it in about a week so something was clearly seriously wrong she seems to be doing better now which is good (laughs) and she's eating and it's not going straight through her that's good to hear so i'll keep you updated (laughs) what's her name sky So yes, my week was good. My friend's daughter staying with me for the school Easter holidays. So that's quite a new thing for me to be looking after a teenager, as well as two small children aged 10 and 6. Those are my boys. Um, I have a teenage girl staying with us who's 14. And um, she's the daughter of a friend of mine. And she's been helping out. It's actually going really well. Yeah, we seem to be enjoying each other's company. They're playing together now. So that's quite a positive thing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I managed to get an illegal haircut this week. (laughs) Woohoo! That's great. It looks fabulous. Thank you. My friend came round in the garden and cut my hair. And hopefully next week hairdressers are allowed to open and I'll go and get it coloured soon. I fancy having a change of colour too. Oh, that's good. What are you thinking? Blonde. Blonde. Oh, I love you, blonde. Thank you. (laughs) Right. So this week we are going to discuss reasons that we didn't like our chosen career as makeup artists and um, put more straws on the camel's back until the camel decided to break and couldn't cope anymore and gave up. (laughs) absolutely can you think of anything steph that annoyed you we went through egos last time went through conflicting advice in education unrealistic yeah ideas about what clients want and about being um a makeup artist and putting makeup on yourself doesn't necessarily equate to putting makeup on other people how it's quite a wasteful profession with all the disposables and yeah all the money that's required in purchasing masses amounts of products and how that you're fueling an industry that is insatiable in its um, marketing for newness that you have to keep up with. Clients want the latest, greatest thing 
and products expire so quickly that you can't really keep year in, year out the same lipsticks. You have to replace them all. And that is very, very expensive to do. Did I say very enough times? It's, it's really, really expensive. expensive. <laughs> Did you ever have problems with models? I only had a problem with one or two, but that's before I started the uni course. And that was just more the kind of arrogance of other people. Okay. And how they try and tell you how to do your job, despite the fact you're more knowledgeable than they are, but they will not accept that. It was mostly just that yeah. sort of thing, rather than like, you know, makeup brushes flying across a room or anything that extreme. What about you? Well, did you find that it was easy to get models? Especially I'm thinking being a makeup artist is an extremely visual mm. profession and you're told to build a portfolio without being really given the guidance of how to build a portfolio. Yeah. And um, just expected to know how to do that. And some people seem to, to do incredibly well at building portfolios and using social media, whereas other people are a bit lost yeah. and I was definitely a, a bit lost into how to build my portfolio. I think specifically one of the issues I had, and this could be number five and six together, is diversifying mm. my skills and also specialising at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And number seven, be, maybe being building a portfolio is an impossible task. But building a portfolio mm. and being told to diversify yeah. meant that I had to build a portfolio in extremely divergent areas that aren't necessarily related to each other. And clients for one yeah. type of those skills are not going to want to see the type of work for other. For example, I was told to diversify and you know learn SFX skills and learn wig skills. But once you've learned those skills, you have to show them in a portfolio in a very specific way. Yeah. And a bridal client or a fashion editor or whatever is not going to want to see in a million years your historical wig work, not really, or yeah. your um, SFX wounds. They're not interested in seeing film work. No. They don't care about it. They want to see other brides and other brides only. Yeah. So it's like this impossible mammoth task to diversify my skill set so that I could cover all bases and learn everything. Yeah. But being told to specify in a particular area so I could succeed and get a niche in the industry and being told to build a portfolio and a presence on social media. So I ended up at one point with three different social media accounts. Yeah, I remember. One for my special effects makeup, yeah. which was all wounds and model, you know, uh, things like that and prosthetic and yeah. bald caps and blood wounds and blood gags and tattoos and all of that. And some film work. And then another yeah. account that was specifically for fashion and showing editorial work with models and, you know, fashion runway stuff. And uh, yeah, and I, that was a completely different set of work with completely different people and completely different photographers. And then yet another account <laughs> for bridal work where I was showing very specific <laughs> bridal soft makeup looks for brides and then I needed hair yeah. to show hair stuff as well so I was showing hair for bride it's like absolutely impossible if, it, if it's hard to build a portfolio in one category it is twice as hard three to five to ten times as hard to build a, a portfolio in several categories and be successful at that but that's what I that's what I felt I was being told I needed to do by the um by the course and by the uh, professionals I was listening to. Yeah. 
all the employers wanted to see very specific um, specialised portfolios. And the course providers, the university wanted me to diversify my skill set and show I could do everything. Exactly. I just got lost. Exactly. And how about you? No, I, I felt exactly the same way. I mean, I had two portfolios. One was SFX work, which is what I wanted to go into. And then one for more generic fashion and beauty and all that stuff which I had no interest in whatsoever, mm. still don't now. <laughs> um, yeah. I found it very difficult because I found whoever was teaching you would kind of try and push their specialism onto what you were trying to do rather than do it as objective. Mm. And that can be quite difficult because you kind mm. of, or at least what I did was I kind of thought about who was marking it and then kind of geared it for that person. Mm. Which was a sensible thing to do for the results, for the, yeah. uh, for the grades, but really impractical and not sensible to do for your portfolio well exactly and I also find it difficult when you know you could do a fabulously made wig but if your makeup didn't include Mm. other elements it wouldn't be marked very highly because you didn't show multiple technical skills but it could be the most beautifully made wig in the world but it wouldn't have mattered and it's very hard to ignore the pressures of the course to perform and achieve high grades it was very hard to ignore their advice and go it alone. And I think specifically, I'd had the intention of only working on my portfolio for my purposes and that my purpose was to work in this niche area. I would have built a much better portfolio over the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be much more employable at the end of the course. But as it was, it was like you said, I was kind of, I had this pressure to perform and to be marked well, yeah. which is pointless. No one in industry is ever going to ask what grade I got. No, ever. Absolutely not. And I also find that it's it was difficult because yes, it's good that we had knowledge of how to do everything, but it was only like very mm. v- the very, very surface of how to do things. Whereas if you're going to be asked yeah. to do it, they're not going to want to see the very basics of something. They're going to want you to do it really elaborately. And if they want you to do that, yeah. and you don't know how to do that, then you wouldn't take that job. Yeah. So I almost I almost feel like it should have been divided into people's specific interests tailored to what they actually wanted to mm-hmm. do because the different disciplines within the industry are so different. They are different. And they're different in the way that you kind of have to market yourself as well. Yeah. Because we only got a chance to find our specialism in the third year and I wish we'd done that a lot sooner. Yeah, me too. Because then it would have cut out a lot of the unnecessary bits. Like hair. I hate hair. Cannot stand hair. I hate it too. Hated it. Ever since I started doing makeup six years ago now, I've always hated it, yet had to do it. I've not even picked up a styling tool since I left. And that's on myself as well, because I cannot stand it. (laughs) I mean, I've cut my partner's hair. That was the only useful thing that I learned in hair, was how to cut male's hair, because that kept me going through lockdown. But that's literally it. Well well done that you did that. I should have been able to cut my children's hair, but I didn't. (laughs) They wouldn't sit still. I was afraid of cutting their ears off. So I kind of left that well alone. The only other useful thing I, I, well, I would say that I learned at uni is how to finger wave, except I already knew how to finger wave beforehand. Finger waving, I love doing. That's it. (laughs) Oh, yes. I had so many skills and they did... In some ways, they came in useful being so diverse, but it kind of like shooting myself in the foot by being so diverse at the same time mm. and not really being able to specialize in one area or really think practically about what area of makeup I can earn money yeah. in. I mean, I, I did have a desire to work in film and TV. 
that became largely impractical as soon as my husband passed away because I couldn't then travel. But I didn't realise how impractical it would be to have a family and try and work in the industry at the same time. Obviously, there are people who do have families and manage to continue a career in the arts industries, Mm. but I think they're the exception rather than the rule. I would have been much better off specialising in luxury bridal or something from the beginning. And I don't really need to go to university for that. And um, concentrating on building a uh, portfolio that matched. But um, I I don't regret going to university. I really appreciate all the connections that I've made with, with friends, with you, with other people and with living in this country. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have come here. So um, that's a definitely a huge positive that's come out of it. And also knowing what you don't want is very important. I, I really am quite clear on that, that I don't want to be a makeup artist. Yeah. I do still have the mammoth task of getting rid of a lot of stuff now because of that. So I will try and make some kind of garage sale, yard sale and get rid of a huge ton of makeup and other crap. All mine expired, so I just had to throw it in the bin. And I gave the styling tools away to people. <laughs> yeah, well, I can sell the styling tools or give away SFX materials. I've got anything left over that people want to play with. You know, they can. It's such a hard job, though. Yeah. If we haven't covered number eight yet, I would say the length of hours that you have to work, you probably don't realise what a hard job it is physically as a makeup artist. Absolutely. And... The hours are very unsociable and it's just really difficult doing that every single day, especially as, yes, there's a law where you have to leave and then have to have a certain amount of hours off and then come back. That is never followed. It's never followed. It's not good that. No, it's never followed. You're always just there constantly all the time. I remember once I was on a shoot and I think I had five hours before the next call time when I eventually got home. Yeah. That's quite usual. Yeah, that's not good. That's not legal. You're still going to prepare for the next day and reset and sleep. (laughs) The the hours that you're expected to work are unbelievable. And um, then jobs can be few and far between. Yes. And you're also kind of under that pressure never to turn a job down Mm. because jobs can be few and far between. Exactly. Kind of put a lot of pressure on yourself to do jobs that you don't really want to do because you're told never to turn a job down because you never know what opportunity it might lead to next. Like you never know, but by working on a particular film or project, you're not going to meet somebody that will lead you to a better job or a different project in the future. And you could get that job from the sound guy. Yeah. (laughs) Or or the uh, cameraman or I'm going to camera person. Sorry, the sound (laughs) person. From the lighting person or the AD or uh, from the actor or actress that you're yeah. working with. So, yeah, there's there's lots of um, connections that I made on set. But, it, yeah, there was a lot of pressure never to turn a job down. And the hours were absolutely ridiculous, working from five o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning until midnight. Yeah, so, yeah, getting up really early, working really hard all day long, waiting around a lot of the time. But it's still not downtime. No. You've got to be on guard that anything could happen at any moment. Yeah, exactly. Doing a lot of invisible labour, if that goes into number nine, a lot of your work is goes unseen. Goes unseen. And, and you don't get remunerated. Yeah, and goes unpaid. <laughs> Being part of a crew on set where you're one of the lowest paid crew members. Yeah. And still expected to chip in with everyone else's work 
Mm-hmm. to help out on set because everyone on the on set everyone kind of helps out yeah but everyone else is getting paid a lot lot more than you for what they're doing in their role as camera person or sound person or whatever that can be hard yeah 100 percent. and, and even like sorry go on well i was going to say even like the emotional work that you do for the talent because you're the first person that they see yeah and you're the person that they come to at the beginning of the day to get them ready and that's physically ready but a lot of it's to do with mental preparation you're doing a lot of emotional work for for somebody else too even with the basic things like having to go home sanitize your kit i've spent so many hours of my life washing bloody makeup brushes i can't even tell you you don't get paid for any of the extra stuff that you do and even with marketing yourself with doing all all that it's so much work you don't get paid any of that no it's really hard to get good images for your portfolio as well i never realized how difficult it would be to get good images for my portfolio because doing work on film or doing work on an advert or whatever i'm not necessarily allowed to take my own images that i can use in my own portfolio so it's like i've worked on this but i have no and if you do get a screen grab a screenshot it's not always good for your portfolio because it doesn't show the actor in in the right light in the right way that it shows off your work well so it's like you've worked on a project that you can never ever use use in your portfolio you could just write it down i worked on this project but you know so what you for your portfolio for your instagram for your what you need constant supply of images that are juicy that have something to them but i can't tell you the amount of times i worked on things and then on camera it was either too dark or it wasn't seen or something like that and it's like for god's sake you know i put all this effort in half the time i wasn't paid for barely anything i did because it was you know student film Mm -hmm. or something and it's like i never got anything from it other than like an iphone photo which in a professional portfolio that's not gonna hack it look shit yeah no look shit you might as well not do collaborations but you have to do the collaborations it's like a cat 22 situation mm. you have to do the collaborations to network yeah but you're not going to get any usable images from your collaboration so you're also going to have to do a shitload of extra work that you are going to professionally photograph yourself so learning yes. at the beginning of your journey how to professionally f- photograph your work specifically to improve your portfolio and having that as a goal and aim before you start your education or when you're at the beginning of education would be very very useful maybe and there probably are some people who do that who want to focus on something specific in sfx and have been given the insight that they need to have a really great portfolio yeah will then go into the course and only take good images of the work that's going to serve them best for their portfolio and nothing else yeah but then the rest of it's such a waste of time like i know you need it for the grade Mm. but it's Mm. such a waste of time and money and effort Mm -hmm. Yes, well... Like, if you went into effects or anything and you had to buy the entire effects kit for the course mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, if you want to do fashion, you're never going to touch it again and it's so expensive. Yeah, probably about £2,000 you spend on the special effects equipment and kits that you use in the course. Yeah, exactly. And for something that you know yourself that you're never going to pick up or touch mm-hmm. again, but you've, you're made to do and spend your time on, mm-hmm. I just don't find it effective at all. No. I was quite disappointed when, I mean, I'd come from a couple of short courses, like you'd you'd done a college course. And within the context of my short course, the focus was on getting good images for your portfolio. 
So we did a photo shoot at the end of the course or in the middle of the course. And then we had a five minute or whatever sit down with the owner of the makeup academy. And they looked at critically the photograph that was produced. Mm. One photographer took the images of all of the students on their different models. And then the, uh, the owner of the academy looked at those images with you and said, this brow is wrong and they explained why it was wrong. Sometimes that was hard to hear, yeah. but that critical analysis was actually very, very important and very, very useful because it it gave you then Absolutely. direction of what you needed to do next time for your next photo shoot and your next model to improve your portfolio. Yeah. With the university course, I expected that, that at the end of each unit, we would be having our work photographed for portfolio images, and it wasn't. It was totally random and totally left up to us and we ended up with a whole mishmash of images yeah and some people's images looked like they belonged on the cover of vogue and some of them looked like nothing <laughs> you've got this <laughs> massive range yeah because everyone was taking their own images and all you know some of them on cameras some of them on phones some of them on good phones some of them on bad phones some of them on, on models some of them on people's parents so it's like you, there was no standard no i would have liked if they would have had kind of a bank of models that you could use yeah and then all of you at the end of the first project to have your all of your images taken under the same lighting conditions by the same photographer yeah and then the tutors Absolutely. could have given you feedback on your images to say why it worked or didn't work that yeah. would have been useful that would have been really useful and it would have been useful if it was judged in the medium that it was actually intended for like it would always be a negative thing if for example it was done for photography but you hadn't done the back of their head but if the back of their head wasn't intended to be shown that wasn't okay and you'd be marked down. Do you remember when Nick mm. Dudman came in and gave us a talk and showed all the images? You could see his seams. You could see the model's hair trailing down her back that they just hid with a hole in the table. Like, And it, that made me mm. feel good that, oh, like even he's still got these imperfections that just don't get seen because that's not what they're shooting. Because mm. in context, it works. Whereas all of our things were judged out of yeah, context, yeah, which I yeah. find incredibly frustrating because context is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I agree. And I just, it's like the first project was about fashion. Yeah. You had to show an image of a model in a fashion context and take a photographic image of that. But because of all the images were so wildly different, and actually I found out that the point, they were not marking the quality of the work at all, ever, in any of the projects. No. What they were marking was whether or not you met these learning outcomes, the criteria of whether your makeup was successful according to the learning outcomes. Had you considered this? Had you done that? Did it work in various parameters? But whether or not it was quote-unquote good was not ever marked. But I think they're missing a trick because in industry you need to show a portfolio of good images. Yeah. If your image in your portfolio looks rubbish because you've taken it on your phone and you've taken it under bad lighting conditions and you've taken it on the model who is not appropriate, then the person looking at your portfolio is immediately going to disregard your work. It's not going to even look at your work. They want to see professional quality and really clear images of what they're seeing is most important thing. Yeah. And if you're looking at working in fashion, you've got to show as fashion-like models as possible, taken by photographers as fashiony photographers yeah. as possible. Film work is different and hair work is different again. 
wig work is different again wig work they just want to see wigs they don't care if it's on a person or not they want to see a wig yeah from all angles but if you had a portfolio of images of wigs on a block and wigs on people that would be much more useful than having one or two images of a full makeup yeah. that included a wig I mean, I had my portfolio looked at by someone for fashion context and they said, put this one first, that one, that one, that one, get rid of those and now get me more images that look like the ones that I've kept, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that would have been useful to have at university. That would have been really yeah, useful absolutely. to have at university. And then I have someone look at my SFX portfolio and they looked at my SFX portfolio and they said, where's your portfolio? <laughs> They looked at my portfolio of like stuff I'd done for films, you know, done, you know black eye, and I'd done tattoo, and I'd done this. And I was like, well, that's not a SFX portfolio. And I was like, what is an SFX portfolio? And I, like, well, I want to see clear close-up images of, of of stuff you've sculpted, of wounds you've made, of edges, you know, things like that. And I want to see like lots of it. If that's what you want to work in, if you want to work in application i want to see lots and lots of photos of wounds that have been applied and if you want to work in mold making i want to see lots and lots of photos really good photos of the molds at yeah. all different angles and how you've finished them and just nothing that i had <laughs> basically oh dear quite soul destroying very soul destroying <laughs> especially when you've kind of been misled into thinking this is what you need well that's my number 10 is the broken promises of getting a career in the industry at the end of the course yeah that would have worked if you have a really good portfolio maybe and you'd been yeah. actually given the chance to work in industry during the course, which I think is seriously lacking. But the best way to get on in industry is to work in context, yeah. in the industry, on a film, on a film that's being, on a real film that's being made. Get us into the studios, get the trainees, get the students working as trainees on actual films in some way. Get the students into London graduate fashion week like yeah. the Solent University did and I joined Solent University for that experience it's such a valuable experience if you want yeah. to work in fashion you need to work on fashion shows full stop yeah for people who want to work on tv the university could get contacts in tv and get us in there as trainees for a day why not yeah they could do that i'm sure they could exactly i often questioned why they weren't doing that it was so frustrating just for a day it would be so valuable mm -hmm. absolutely we were i was promised 90 percent. were you promised 90 percent? oh yeah 90%. 90% <laughs> of graduates end up working in the field they choose. They'll yep. be working a year later in their chosen field. That didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Yeah, spoiler alert, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't think that's only because of the pandemic either. I think that's because people end up working on counters, which is ridiculous. You don't need a degree to work on a counter. And if they call that working industry, that's ridiculous. It's not working in industry. I got made redundant, so I applied to so many different counters as counter managers mm. bear in mind i had managerial experience and i obviously have a degree in makeup mm -hmm. i never heard a damn thing back mm. from any of them which is just ludicrous <laughs> yeah. i think i was probably too overqualified do we sound too bitter steph do we sound <laughs> i'm so bitter i'm bitter just because that was my if all else fails i'll just do that to get money and and i couldn't even do that mm -hmm. because i was too qualified <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's our 10. So we've managed to talk about another five things, I think, of uh, why we're no longer makeup artists. I don't regret giving it up. I regret the money kind of aspect of it, the financial drain that um, it put. 
and the pressure the pressure that I was under to buy makeup all the time to keep up with trends yeah. was insane. Um, I'm not going to miss that. Um, I'm I'm glad I've met who I've met because of it. I'm glad I've got the contacts that I've got. I've met some amazingly wonderful people and done some amazingly wonderful things and ex experiences experiences modelling. I love that too. That came out of the out of the work as well. But I don't regret giving up my brushes. No. If I ever want to take them up again, Steph, slap me. <laughs> I shall. <laughs> I would thank my degree for the fact I have a degree, Woo. for the people I've met, Yay. and really nothing else because I hated uni. Oh, bless. And, and I got to move away from home for three years. Bless. So that was a good experience. But yeah. if I could keep those things and just not do the degree, I would do it yeah fair enough i mean i have two degrees I, i'm showing off now but um <laughs> i would say degrees don't guarantee you any <laughs> career path no you, you have to look at the career in a different way first and get what you need out of the degree rather than letting the degree what it needs out of you which is your money yep and <laughs> and um use them not rather than the other way around try that yeah if you want any more advice about um whether or not you should become a professional makeup artist you're welcome to send us an email or dm or on the um something with tea podcast instagram account give us a follow there and um we'll see you next time thank you so much for listening thanks everyone mm -hmm.